is Welcome to Worldwide Wrestling of the World! It's a podcast with me. Hey, people, Scabbard here, reminding you to check us out on social media at LegitWWW. And if you like the show, give us a rating or write a review. It really does help us out. And now, let's get into the highlights from this week's episode of Monday Night Ignite. Monday Night Ignite began with some tag team action, with a match seeking to answer the timeless question of proteins versus carbs. The newly formed meat trust of Joey Pepperoni and his brother-in-law Tony Baloney squared off against the kitchen stoner duo of Duff and Muff Baker, the Baker Boys. The last time we saw the meat trust in action, they had some kinks to work out, and barely escaped with a victory against the now-defunct American Cream. The Baker Boys, on the other hand, have been tag teaming their entire lives and really relied on that experience this match. It was obvious from the bell ring that the Baker Boys are much more in sync. Their tagging in and out was fluid and each time they delivered a great double team move to whichever meat man was in the ring at the time. Tony Baloney got hit especially hard with a spiked pile driver, after which he was essentially out of the match. The meat trust still had hope though as Joey Pepperoni seems to always be able to fight out of a corner. He was able to super kick Muff Baker out of the ring, and then turned his attention to Duff. He grabbed his famous pepperoni stick from his corner and threw it clear across the ring, aiming squarely for Duff Baker's face. Duff appeared to be pretty sober this match though, and had much better than usual reaction time. He reached into his apron and pulled out a wooden rolling pin that he used to deflect the meat torpedo. Duff then charged at Joey Pepperoni, and while Joey was able to avoid the attack from the rolling pin, it gave Duff Baker just enough time to wrap up Pepperoni in his signature dank deathlock, where he got the win via submission. The next match on the card was much less exciting, seeing management's poster boy Dandy Brand face off against the brutal Behave. Behave is known for his ruthless aggression and has split open more than his fair share of opponent's skulls. Dandy Brand, on the other hand, is the clean-cut do-gooder that management thinks the fans want, resulting in an impressive record of 4-1-1. One, one. Dandy Brand being pushed by management makes fans like him even less, though, and we here at the podcast were anticipating Behave dishing out some serious damage to him. Unfortunately, Dandy Brand is seemingly untouchable. Every time Behave built ahead of steam, Dandy Brand would roll out of the ring and slow down the pace. Behave got off one of his patented turnbuckle power bombs, but he was immediately shut down no matter what else he tried. Behave goes for a German suplex, and Dandy Brand lands on his feet. 
We've never seen a wrestler duck this many lariats. It would have been comical if it wasn't so frustrating. The lame reversal game ended with Behave going for what looked like a standard suplex, but Andy Brand, countering with a roll-up, got the 1-2-3. Next up, we got to see the high-flying, solo-singing acapella take on the mastermind of destruction, Blanche. We haven't seen either of these two in months, and acapella's absence has been particularly noticeable. Blanche left a pretty sour taste in everybody's mouth with his antics this past year first completely ruining SummerSlam, and then sabotaging the brand new stadium, leading to its complete destruction during the infamous WrestleMania pay-per-view. Fans were still not over his actions, and he took a lot of heat the entire match from the crowd. This match started out in a pretty fast tempo, with Acapella singing the entire time he ran around the ring. He may have set a record for most attacks off the top turnbuckle, he was recklessly throwing his body time after time at the 602-pound behemoth. Blanche, for his part, just took the punishment. We've seen this before. With his sheer mountainous size, it seems almost impossible to knock him off his feet, let alone do any real damage. It was sometime between the fourth and sixth missile dropkick from the turnbuckle that Acapella began to slow down a bit. Once his singing stopped, Blanche actually began laughing. He seemed to enjoy watching his opponent struggle. As things were coming to a head, Acapella went for a double axe handle from the top of the turnbuckle, when Lanch suddenly reached out and grabbed him by the throat. He then lifted Acapella high into the air and somehow managed to flip him over into some sort of chokeslam suplex combination. Suffice to say, this completely laid out Acapella. Lanch then unceremoniously stepped on his throat, pinning Acapella and getting the one, two, three. After the match, Acapella was seen, but strangely, not heard. He was grasping his throat and hoarsely mumbling something, but he shuffled past the cameras very quickly. Blanche, on the other hand, just laughed his entire way backstage. What a dick. The final match of the evening was a fantastic match. The recently crazed Duke Wellington faced off against crowd favorite Rado, whom we haven't seen since that fateful WrestleMania evening several months ago. These are two of the bigger stars of the WWW, each with a pretty distinct following, which made the match that much more exciting. Duke came out hard, giving Rado a taste of his new vicious streak. It seemed like his fans, the Wellies, are coming around a bit to this new, slightly unhinged Duke Wellington. He ran roughshod all over Rado as soon as the bell rang, really not holding anything back. We've learned from watching Rado that when he puts his mind to something, he simply cannot be stopped. And after five minutes of beatings at the hands of Duke Wellington, he made his move. He exploded into Duke with a huge spear and wasted no time in putting him in a chokehold when he was down. With Duke on roller skates, Rado delivered his mountain climber right into the descent and got the pin. As Rado was making his way back up the ramp though, Duke was acting like a feral animal in a cage, running all over the ring and literally clawing at himself. Wellington then stormed the announcer's table, ripping Soup Can Sam Michelle's headset from him and cut one of the more bizarre promos we've ever seen. And he did it directly into the camera. Well, folks, in this business, veterans eventually have to retire to make way for the new men and women of the ring to keep the story and the business going. 
We here at the podcast wanted to pull back the curtain just a little bit to let you in on the trials and tribulations of life as a WWW signee. Hey folks, back here again with Jim Jones in our continuing series as he gears up for his big debut in the WWW. Jim, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, uh, Skabard, thank you for, uh, you know, for the introduction there. I appreciate it. Now, you talked in the last interview, uh, well, you mentioned really the Taekwondo's and the Taekwondo's. Can you dive into that just a little bit more? I think our, our viewers and listeners would really love to hear the uh, mantra, if you will, that keeps Jim Jones ticking. It's relatively straightforward. I, I usually have my students uh, stand on the mats with me and they face me, they bow. We always bow first, that's a Taekwondo. You bow to your master. I'm the master in this situation. I. You know, I know you didn't bow when you came in here, but, you know, I consider you one of my students, one of my disciples at this point. And so next time you come in, I would appreciate it if you did bow. Um, that is a Taekwondo. And then... Can you... And I, don't, I apologize. I don't, I don't mean to offend and I don't mean to cut you off. But this one time, it's fine. It's, it's fine this one time. But. I appreciate that. Uh, can you walk me through how to properly bow and then we can get on to the, the, the rest of the Taekwondo's and Taekwondo's? Because again, I don't want to... I don't want to come in here and, and uh, offend you again. So I, again, I apologize. I'd love to know how to do it uh, the correct way. Well, no, it's, I mean, it is, it is important because, you know, you're not really educated on this. If you were ever to go and really practice with any of the great masters besides me, I, I would really want to make sure that if your uh, diploma of completion is going to bear my name as your master, then I, I don't want you embarrassing me by extension by embarrassing yourself. So it really, it starts, you know, it's an eyes closed. It's an eyes closed bow. That's really important. And one of the main challenges that I've, I've felt in my life is uh, that eyes closed sort of bow is very difficult. I've taken multiple kicks to the head, thousands, I would say. And so whenever I close my eyes, it's pretty much instant vertigo. So for me, the bow starts with the eyes closed and then it's bringing your head towards the ground and then an elongating of your neck. You have to think of your, your waist as a, a, an extreme pivot point and you drop your head as quickly as possible. You drop your upper body as quickly as possible. Your arms stay exactly by your side. So, you know, they're, they're right along your torso and then you jack that head back up with extreme anger and fury and uh, that's a, a completed bow. If you don't mind, I'd love to just bow right here, right now, and you tell me what I got to do to 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 get this thing right. Well, you know, I I didn't really hear a please in there, but that's okay. I you know, this one time I'll forgive it. And so yeah, sure, go ahead, knock yourself out. Okay, all right, all right, here I go. Ready? How was that? I'm all about creating an experience that encourages others to continue on with their journey, and so I don't want to disparage you or demean you and your journey, um, even though that was probably the worst bow I've seen in my 27 years of Taekwondo. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll work on it. I appreciate the, the blunt feedback. I, I really do. Let's, let's keep diving into the Taekwondo's and the Taekwondo's. So you gave us a Taekwondo. You always, when you walk in, you got a bow. That's a Taekwondo. Give me a Taekwondo. What don't you do? Like I said, punching. I don't do any of that. It's 
mostly a bow and kick and occasional throw sort of system for me. So uh, punching, I, I have my students, you know, after they've completed their, their bow exercise, I have them start to raise their hands. And, and there's a, a strong urge from these young prepubescent boys and girls to punch. Their initial reaction is I have these fists and they are sharp as hell. They're like little needles and razor blades that I could just dig into my sensei's back. If I've got a bad knot in my back and I, I want to get some knots taken out of there, I, you know, I might be tempted to enlist in the help of these these young children to really dig in there with their their tiny little pebbles on the beach hands. But I resist that urge and I, I yell at them. I say, punch, no, punch, don't. And, you know, it's it's a Taekwondo don't. You have to emphasize that don't. I yell no at them. Same way I yell at my dogs. I say no. I say no, you get back. You know, I'm having my elk sandwich here. And you have, you have cardboard and gravel in your bowl over in the other room. Get away from me. I have the same sort of discipline when it comes to my students. I say no, don't. Unless, you know, their parents are late to pick them up. And it's time for me to really get that knot out of my back. But that's that's also my own discipline that I need to, you know, I need to practice is, is saying, no, don't. Uh, Jim, you know, I'm curious as we, as we um, you know, continue to, to chat here, you're someone who's endured a lot of concussions. Does that give you pause at all about starting with the WWW? Well, you know, I think the, the first thing is, who are you going to trust in these sorts of situations? Are you going to trust a doctor who went to medical school? Like a medical school that is given its accreditation from a board of governors that is run by the state? Or, you know, I have my own shaman who will inspect me all the time. And again, not to disparage the the BFC, but yeah, that was really one of the main points of contention is, uh, you know, their lack of respect for these these ancient holy men who I pay an exorbitant amount of money to, and they tell me my brain is is a work of art. You know, it's similar to a Jackson Pollock painting, a Rorschach, uh, you know, a test. It's beautiful, is what I've been told. Um, there's a lot of very dark spots distributed throughout. When Big BFC comes down and says, hey, you've, you've taken too many head kicks, you've taken too many right straights, a left hook, the occasional right hook to the jaw and uh, your head is quote unquote concussed. My hands were bound at that point. There's nothing I could do because legally um, they were not allowing me to continue on. But again, that's all that's all in sealed documents. I can't really talk about any of that. So they wouldn't let they wouldn't let you fight, even though your personal doctor, the uh, I believe you referred to him as a shaman. Uh, he he cleared you. I, I, Skabard, I, I want to correct you about one thing. No one lets me fight. I will myself to fight. The BFC couldn't, they couldn't stop me if they tried. I could run through, you know, every competitor, everybody in the home office. I'd run right in that building. It would be a fury of kicks, occasional throws. I don't think John, who, you know, he, he sits at the front desk. He's, he's a pretty nice guy. He usually... You know, he usually says hello to me in the morning. We kind of talk about the weather usually, but um, I don't. I don't think he could stop me. He he has a gun, but I have you know I have many weapons at home. You know, I use them for mostly hunting, but also practice, like fun practice. 
in case I needed to defend my family. I don't think John could stop me if I if I wanted to go in there and say, hey, I'm going to I'm going to fight everybody. So all in all, Jim, if I were to ask you point blank, do you feel safe with the contact sport of professional wrestling? Your answer is I are ready to fight. You know, that's what I have to say. You can you can write that down. I won't sign the document, but I are ready to fight. Jim, I can't thank you enough for sitting down and, and having a chat with me. And we look forward to the debut. And uh, we'll see you next time, pal. This has been time that was taken away from me. And I appreciate what it means to you. Which way is it to the stasis chamber? And now a quick word from our sponsors. If you're interested in supporting us, Visit our sponsors, or better yet, check out our website at www.legitwww.com, where you can make a donation or purchase some merchandise to help us out. We'll be right back. Hey everyone, Gonzo Goose here of Goose Gas Propane, a proud independent propane distributor with humble origins on Main Street. My family has owned and operated Goose Gas Propane for 90 years! We know heating costs can be expensive, and that's why we want you to hear the huh and feel the heat. That same familiar gas our family has been sending your way for a generation hasn't changed a bit since Gonzo Goose Sr. delivered his first huh. Call us today for a free consultation. Now let's take a look at the developing news stories from the past week in Worldwide Wrestling of the World. Jim Jones continues to shake things up with his announcement of Mike Moore as his new trainee. Jones's in-your-face style and promise to turn Mike into a champion should be interesting to watch. Jones's recent statements on social media doubting the science behind concussions and pointing to his own, quote, undiminished excellence, in spite of holding the record for the most concussions in one match, whipped up controversy this week already. When asked to comment, Mike Moore would only mutter, uh, yeah, what Jim said. In hide-and-seek championship news, Berserker has really changed the game this week by hiding in plain sight, which, if this keeps up, makes both the hide and seek portions of the title debatable. But the bottom line is, after his unhinged behavior, at this point, people just won't face him. Maybe we start calling it the N title. And now a word from our sponsors. A powerful symbol of the palette, adored by artists of the craft worldwide, the 2021 collection paints a portrait of fulfillment, pushing the genre into new frontiers while maintaining the quality you've trusted for generations. Experience the future without leaving the present. Experience Pickles by John. Hello, my friends. It is me, Michael Moore, and you're listening to Worldwide Wrestling of the World. Keep that knee brace dirty and those socks on all night long, just as our master tells us to do, Jim Jones. Like and subscribe, and drink that Kool-Aid. The sweeter, the better. All right, folks, that was another fantastic showing of Worldwide Wrestling of the World's Monday Night Ignite. And uh, coming off this these few matches, there's some things that we really need to talk about here. Some things that might be a little supernatural, almost. I'm talking Lanch here. I'm talking Lanch who somehow managed to steal Acapella's voice. 
The first thing that comes to my mind is he is Sea Witch. I don't know. Maybe our friend Frankie can help us out with this. Frankie? Yeah, this was a real Ursula the Sea Witch move. I I don't really understand how it worked, but Akka definitely seems convinced that his voice is gone, whether it was actually what happened or just, you know, it's a mind game. It's a trick that is being pulled on him. I'm not sure, but... I mean, he he did get choke slammed and his throat stepped on, so... and normal circumstance, I would imagine your voice is not going to be coming through too strongly after such things, but... uh... Yeah, but the idea that it's gone for good is what Lynch has definitely sold Akka on at this point. It's really unclear how that's going to play out or what Akka's understanding of, of the injury he has sustained is. It seems to be tenuous at best. It also feels like Lanch is able to give Akka Pella's voice back to him. And if that's possible, and then like Dr. Worm pointed out, I don't know how that's possible, but if it is possible, what a move by Lanch. You now have a a servant, if you will, at your disposal. Because I know acapella's only bread and butter really is his voice. And Lanch, one way or another, has a hold of it. And that's going to be interesting for sure. Yeah, it could cause acapella to act desperate. And i um, not sure what will happen. But it's a little supernatural, a little weird. But well, we've seen weirder things here at the WWW. It's either supernatural or it's straight up assault. I know Lanch hasn't been charged with anything yet. But I guess you don't get charged for things that happen in between the ropes, apparently. But maybe he should. I don't know. Well, um, speaking of the weird and the and the not all there, I really want to touch base on this Jim Jones interview we heard a little bit today with you, Scabbard. Is he mentally all there? Two questions come to my mind. Who in their right mind has a stasis chamber? And who would ever want to work with Mike Moore? Well, I mean, I'm a big Jim Jones fan. I respect the guy's career at best fighting championship i think he's a hell of a fighter i think he's one of the best fighters we've ever seen period full stop but is he mentally all there i mean you know was picasso mentally all there when he painted his pictures you know was beethoven all there when he wrote his symphonies that's where i'm coming from with this so i don't know who owns a stasis chamber other than jim jones i know i can't afford one but that's what's keeping jim jones going if that's what's tuning Jim Jones into whatever higher power he's into at the moment. And if that's helping Mike Moore with the Taekwondo's and the Taekwondo's, you know, Mike Moore needs all the help he can get. You know, I know he's, yeah. So I know he's got a new attitude. I know he's got a new outlook on life, but you know, you can't just throw paint at the canvas and hope something happens. Unless of course you're Jackson Pollock, but Mike Moore is no Jackson Pollock, but he does need some help. So I think Jim Jones sees something in him. At least he heard something in his stasis chamber, which made him think of Mike Moore. But I'm hoping that it all turns out well for Mr. Moore. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, I'm concerned about Mike in this situation. You know, Jim is definitely intriguing and I'm interested to see what we get out of him. I was a little concerned about his um, his stability, I guess. And Mike is not known for bold choices or sort of knowing his own mind to begin with. So the fact that he's now thrown in with someone like Jim, who clearly has some sort of out there ideas about how the world works, how wrestling works and how Taekwondo works, the science of concussions, all that stuff is more than a little concerning to me. Yeah, Frankie, that's a that's actually my concern also is Mike Moore is so impressionable. He's such a young athlete. And he obviously doesn't have the ability to really make up these decisions on his own. He's just not there yet. He doesn't have the experience. So he's looking for someone for guidance. And Jim Jones, to me, seems like a terrible choice. He's this person that, yes, he does have the experience, but his experience comes at the price of thousands of concussions. I mean, this guy is a little bit out there. Let's not beat around the bush here. He's he's on another planet. And having someone like that 
really mold Mike Moore is just a little scary thought to me. I think you bring up a, a great point here. WWW is concerned. We as fans are concerned with Jim Jones getting back in the ring or continuing any sort of athletic combat, if you will. But the man takes care of his body. He really does. He's traveled all over the world. He's certainly into many different non-traditional medicinal treatments for his ailments. Kool-Aid is not medicinal. It's not medicinal. It's healthy, according to Jim Jones. And I believe him. I believe him. Okay. Well, um, speaking of people that aren't all there, we really need to also talk about the Duke Wellington and Rado match. Not so much the match itself. The match was pretty fantastic, but I think we covered that pretty well. More specifically, Duke's promo after his loss. Me personally, from experience, I see that after a loss like that, that might be unexpected. The promo would typically be cut on your opponent. For him to cut this scathing promo on Berserker and to really go all out there saying that he's going to kill Berserker, is this something that the WWW as a whole should really be condoning? Are we condoning murder now? And more importantly than that even, does anybody actually understand what Duke Wellington is saying? Let's be let's be clear here. If we're talking about people who have a screw loose up top, I don't think we need to focus on Jim Jones. I think the spotlight should be on Duke Wellington. Here's a guy who on live television threatened murder straight up. I don't know if WWW is condoning it. I don't know if it was a work. I don't know if it was a shoot. But there's a line here. I mean, TV 14 is the rating, but it's a tough sell to look right into the camera and say, and I quote, I will kill you. What exactly he's saying after that? I have no idea. I can only assume that it's enhancing the initial threat. That's for sure. Yeah. If anything, he, he, he keeps up in the game throughout as he's speaking, getting more and more sort of pointed in terms of what he wants to do, how he's going to do it. I mean, it's kind of chilling when you think about it. It seemed very real to me. It seemed very concerning to me. Uh, and if I'm somebody who works with talent at WWW, I'm definitely going to be pulling him aside if I can, or maybe preferably somebody that can talk to him and not be in danger, maybe if there is such a person and have them talk to him about it, because I don't know where he goes from here. He literally threatened to murder a person. I think we saw someone break on live television. And I think you're right. I think WWW needs to uh, have a talking to Duke Wellington if they can. It needs to be addressed one way or the other. It was definitely a break, and it was scary seeing this. It's been a long time coming, it seems. There's been these signs all along the road for Duke Wellington, and they haven't been addressed by the WWW. They've been letting him go on, and this is what it's culminated to, and I worry what will happen after this. He's made the threats. Will he follow through on them? I guess we'll find out, but I hope we I hope we don't find out, if that makes sense. I don't want to see oh, yeah. him get murdered. I, you know, Absolutely. Yeah. That's dark. Well, why don't you uh, take us out, Scabbard? If you like what you hear on the podcast, if you're digging what we're doing, give us a like, a subscribe, give us a rating, all the social media stuff. You can find us at LegitWWW. It really does help the podcast out. And with that, I'm going to go get a cup of Kool-Aid. Is that the catchphrase now? We're doing Kool-Aid? Yeah, that's the catchphrase. I'm drinking it, man. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. I'm getting a cup of Kool-Aid. You idiot. Mm.